Welcome in, everybody. It's a weekend edition. Hopefully you're catching this on Saturday. That's when it's going to be the most prudent for some of our topics. My name is Jake Burns. I'm the host of this OBR Film Breakdown show, and I hope it finds you well. And we're going to be talking today, going through a bunch of different topics as we took a a couple days off. I've had, um, you know, a sick kid and been trying to figure out timing schedule and like the the usually I record these podcasts late at night but if he's not sleeping well I have to be with him so it's been it's been a bit chaotic but hopefully we got some answers yesterday can settle in a little bit and start to record uh, some consistency as I like to record so um, listen we're going to welcome in John Colosimo I think we got some good topics today John what's up man how's uh how's everything in your uh, chaotic northeast Ohio uh man it's uh it's pretty decent um you know, aside from the uh, from the little girl going bonkers from about nine p.m. to twelve to one o'clock a.m. every night. Other than that, though, pretty decent. We've had this experience lately with our youngest, where he is um, six months now, and he's been sleeping like he'll go to bed seven o'clock and then sleep through the night. Sometime, most of the time, maybe get up once. But lately, he's like getting up. He'll go down at like seven and then decide to get up at ten and just be up for like two hours just like 10 to midnight just rip roaring time just having fun smiling laughing so you know that's always fun when you look forward to your evenings of uh calm plans and, and then they get sabotaged by uh by a little one you can't be mad but you also can be a little you can be annoyed right oh yeah well i tell you like i uh we our oldest who's almost four here um well what may may will be four so not quite almost but um, he ha- is like me and has a real hard time going down at the end of the night, no matter what. He picked up these uh, melatonin gummies. Uh, it started the last two days. I gave him like half of one of these things, which they only have like one milligram to begin with. So like half a milligram of that. And it has, I don't, I don't want to like jinx myself because I don't know that it'll always continue like that. But the last two nights have been a dream. So <laughs> I will, I will pull for you. Yeah, we're, we're pulling for you. So, you know, like, like you, like me, we have very limited time. I've tried to watch the last of us because uh, I've, I've just, well, first I'm a Pedro Prescott fan and like wanted to, um, you know, do as many of his pieces of work I try to watch, but I've always been interested in, I never played the game and that's a little bit of like what I want to talk about. You and I both watched the first episode, which I thought was really good but when you watch that first episode, to me, it's like, this seems like something that I should be able to just binge it out. Why, you know, I get why you can't binge it because, you know, HBO is trying to make as much money as they can. And if you have it over a longer period of time, people can't do the 30 day previews or whatever, whatever. Like, I think that's kind of silly to me because people can basically illegally stream anything they want these days for the most part. But like, uh, this show, which is is already out there in video game form and seems to be from people that have responded to the tweet I put out, have been, you know, saying that this is a, this show is like a, a step by step replica of the game. To me, that source material out there for a show that I'm like, I was enthralled with that first episode, but now I want to know what happens. And to me, it's like I could just go look it up or go buy this game and play it and figure it all out. And it's like this feels like a show that they would have benefited from being able to just rip through it and binge it but um you have to wait week by week i'm trying i'm really trying not to find the source material but to me that's the thing is like you know people had said this i think i'd i had you watch andor which there's no 
source material for that. So like that to me generates better discussion from one show to the next, but something that maybe 90, that's that's too high. 60% of people already know what happens in all of this. It just kind of feels like we should probably be able to rip through it. Am I wrong on that? I just think that not being, when they cut through the fence at the end of that last you know, the scene of the first episode, I'm like, man, I really want to just keep watching this, but you can't keep watching it. And that kind of stinks, right? No, I definitely want to keep watching. I, I don't know. I go back and forth, you know, like I think that there's certain drawbacks um, to um, dumping seasons online. Um, but uh, I, I see your point on that. The good part for me is like, I think we've already gotten to like the extent of my memory of the game. <laughs> like I don't, I don't recall, like it was like exactly how I remember the game starting off. This is a great game, like fantastic game. So if you had time, I would say go get the game because why not just play a fantastic video game too? Like that's a whole different way of, you know, getting some source material than you normally get. But um, yeah, I mean uh, the first episode too, like, I don't know if it's just, they, they went heavy on the intro, but I mean, it's, it's a movie like, it's a movie length intro. It's like an hour and a half. It, it was it was really good. The first twenty minutes are captivating, especially that that uh, just the discussion in the first five minutes, right? The talk show, um, all of that. No, I want to buy the game. They actually, I did look into it because somebody had told me to look into the the game, and they have completely remastered the first game for PS Five, and it looks beautiful. So I'm going to give it a whirl when I uh, when I find all that time I have to play video <laughs> games. So yeah, I do I do want to do that though. But anyway, The Last of Us watch it. I think we're going to probably talk about it weekly. Uh, a lot of really good stuff in that first episode. Pretty scary. I mean, you know, I know we didn't go through anything of that nature, but you know, when you see some of the things that can have, especially the discussion around fungus. Smarter people than me can probably debunk some of the things that, that were said there, but but pretty scary to think the evolution of of what that could all look like at some point. And uh, they just made it as creepy as possible there in the first five minutes of that yeah. uh, of that episode. So um, anyway, okay, so let's let's talk Browns. There's there's a couple. Of, I think the big thing is coaches, right, John? I I, I think there we're starting to get breadcrumbs. I wish this stuff was more public, but it's not. We almost have to just sort of pick up the pieces and try to deduce from what we can. It's been relatively quiet from a, a solid movement standpoint, but we do know certain things. What I know right now uh, is that coaches that we've heard pieces of information about, we heard earlier this week that Jeff Howard was going to interview with the chargers for their linebacker coach role, which to me is interesting because the chargers haven't even hired a DC yet. Right. I don't, I don't think they have anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an interesting interview, whether the accuracy of that was perfect or not. I just find it peculiar. Um, and then Chad O'Shea, who we know was a, he was the offensive coordinator of Miami with Flores for a minute. We had heard some connection rumors that he was going to potentially go back and interview in New England for their offensive coordinator job. But I haven't heard anything solid on that. I did hear for sure that he interviewed in New York. Um, the result of that, I don't know that New York has, again, we're sitting here recording this on Saturday at 11 a.m. I don't know that New York has hired anybody. But the biggest piece of news from this stuff is that Callahan, um, obviously Brown's offensive line coach, Bill Callahan, um, was offered to interview as well, uh, which might seem a little bit, but Callahan was always a, um, he ran his own offenses. He's done a bunch of different things in a long coaching career, but obviously, regarded as one of the best online coaches in the NFL, but he turned that down and actually signed an extension with the Browns. 
And I think that, that, I mean, that's, that's kind of no news, but big news, him deciding a guy who wants solidity and where he's coaching it, like for him to sign an extension with the Browns probably says some good things about where the Browns are going here, at least some stability, right? Yeah. I mean, first of all, yeah, he's one of the best in the business. I'm sorry for the, you know, can't wait to get rid of Kevin Crowd, but uh, signing Callahan to an extension um, is an indicator of stability, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, like you don't just go ahead and sign extensions to assistants. I'm sure that they want, you know, to sign Kevin to an extension off a winning, you know, like a winning season, like where everybody's happy. Um. But I feel like that's the direction that they're going, and that's what they're telling you when they're doing things like they're bringing in guys like Schwartz, extremely experienced. Um, he's not coming in for one year. Um, they're signing Callahan to an extension. Um, and, you know, frankly, you know, given all the indicators, um, you know, having Deshaun Watson back in football, whole offseason, um, you know, the – you know, an expected rebound from one score games. Um, this should be a, a you know, a tennis win season, you know, give or take. And, uh, and you can look forward to Kevin, I would say likely getting an extension if things don't absolutely implode with unknown factors that we can see today. But like everything that I can see in the distance is leading to, you know, a tennis win season, hopefully a playoff trip next year and Kevin's going to get extended. And so is Barry then. And uh, you guys can weep all you want over that. Uh, but that's, that's where I, I see this thing going. Yeah. Well, the Callahan thing is interesting because these guys, by the time you're Callahan's age, which I think he's in his sixties, at least I, I'm pretty sure he is. You're like, they're, mm-hmm. they're like weather worn survivors, man. They read the landscape. They know, they know how to to stay in a place or when that place is going to implode. At least this is not that if Bill Callahan got fired today, he would find a job tomorrow. I, I don't think that's the thing, but I think that when they know they can stay in one place, I, I, I think that he, like following the breadcrumbs of a veteran coach who knows whether a guy is going to stick around, what does he like to work for a guy has a vibe of whether he's going to be sticking around for a while. Does he want to be with them, right? Because the Jets are coming off a great season. I mean, the Jets had uh, the brink of the playoffs, a bright future. Robert Sala is a good head coach. He could have easily at least taken the interview there. And when you're when your veteran coaches, your stunt Mitchell, those guys who could go anywhere and work anywhere, um, want to stick around, I think that is usually a good um, indicator. That, that that things are pretty stable, more stable than maybe you want to believe to your point, John. So I think there's, um, there's big news hidden under the, the guys there of like, this is just a little nugget. No, that's actually pretty important. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is that Mary Kay Cabot, who was spot on about the Browns defensive coordinator timeline. She said on Monday that she thought by late Tuesday, they could have an answer and they had one reported that she expects most of the defensive staff to be back, um, which is a bit of something that some of us have thought mm, that might not be the case because a couple reasons, right? It's not like we're making things up here, but um, you know, if you pay attention to Chris Kiffin's interview with uh, you know, right when the clowny thing happened and how oddly different his messaging was from Kevin Stefanski and like, 
the way Jeff Howard gave that in-season Bengals game adjustment failure. It just smelled like they need to overhaul some of the stuff on defense. And then Schwartz comes in, says this is Kevin's staff. He's going to make those decisions. I find that hard to believe, but here we are. And Schwartz had also said that when he got to Philly, he inherited most of the defensive staff. So he's, you know, spent time coaching those guys up. I went through and put together a grouping of guys connected to him from, from his earliest Tennessee days, 01 to 09, his Detroit Lions run, and then uh, as a head coach, and then his one year with the Bills, and then he obviously ran that run with Phillies. So I put together people who are out there that could be connected to him and be brought on to uh, to, to the staff if things open up. But I know that's all very tricky, and like staff have contracts, and they have to, you know, to get out of those con- the Browns to get out of those contracts, they have to take other jobs, or if they fire them, they're still paying them, which is never ideal, right? To to pay assistants, let alone head coaches, the Browns have been paying over the years that they've fired or whatever but um I just I think there's some mixed stuff going on here I think a lot of us want to believe that Schwartz will bring in some people he knows like Matt Burke there's a couple guys out there that have been from either Indianapolis's staff turnover now would be air quotes free agents Burke out of Arizona is another one uh Dino Voss um is another one that I I noted there's I wrote a whole article on this on the OBR literally went through all of his staffs and looked at the current nature of things the landscape and where some of these guys are I um I don't think that the Browns group that leads here, I don't think, John, they would be inclined to force coaches on Schwartz. Now, could they get the ultimatum from above that, hey, man, you got to keep this defensive staff because we're not paying them, whatever, whatever. That could be the case. I kind of have a hard time with that one because it feels like upper management has stayed out of most of this stuff. But I guess it's possible but I also don't want to feel like Schwartz is forced to keep coaches he doesn't want necessarily. I don't know. What What do you think the middle ground is on all of this that makes the most sense? I guess we could pay attention to if they do hire any of Schwartz connections, but um, to, to bring him in and force these coaches onto him that I don't think any of us have been blown away by would kind of reek a little bit, but I'm curious if that's an overreaction or if, if, um, you know, you still think Schwartz will get some of his guys in the door eventually. Uh, yeah, I, so I think it's just a little early to kind of, um, I, I don't know. I will, I will say that I will not dump on, uh, Mary Kay's reporting like I did with Albert Breer last week. Um, so, someone took to the Twitter streets to let Breer know that, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he checked that, it. So, I'm sure, you know, so I'm sure he, he listened in on the pod to hear what I had to say on him. <laughs> Uh, I was real curious. What well, very important stuff here yeah. right now. Very important opinions being um, sent out into the cyberspace. But the <laughs> um, what I would say is, uh, like I've seen it, I've seen it multiple times where you know you bring a coordinator in and they kind of end up going through an interview process. And, you know, keep some guys. I've seen that a ton of times. So like that, um, and Jimmy has not been that kind of guy where he shied away from paying um, people to fire them, you know, or paying people after he fires them. That's, that has never seemed to be like a driving factor for him. So I'm not buying that. Um, What I would say is the last time that I went through this that I recall and that happened, and I don't even remember the specifics um, in terms of names, but 
what they did was they brought the new coordinator in and they said, hey, we think we've got some pretty good guys here. Um, you should sit down with them and see which ones you may or may not want to keep. And, and this one may have a little bit more head, head coaching. I guess what I would love to do is go back and see, you know, typically these staffs are built out by the coordinators, right? So when Joe Woods was hired, he probably handpicked the staff um, unless it was something odd, but that's, his, that's the norm. So it's not like these guys are necessarily Stefanski guys. Um, you know, now I could see like Tarver, I, I think, I think the linebackers have overachieved given their, um, given their, the conditions of the work, uh, and the amount of investments that the team has made. So, um, personally, I would love, I, I have no problem. I, I wouldn't say like I have a strong, uh, would love to keep them, but I would say, I think that's a very warranted keep if, if that's somebody that they want to keep on and, and continuity is, it can be a good thing, can be a, a bad thing if they don't have the right coaches. Now, I don't have a ton of opinion about the D-line coach outside of just, you know, obviously how they've underperformed, but we know the weaknesses there. We saw them coming in. There's personnel issues there. So I'm not inclined to go overly crazy about the prospect of, say, keeping the D-line coach, who I do not want to retain in the same sense that I didn't want Woods retained is the secondary and passing game coordinator coach. I, I have no interest in that. So, um, I would be a little uh, – I would throw up a little bit of a red flag to keep note of if somehow that guy was retained. Um, but keep it a couple of coaches, uh, that, that wouldn't surprise me and wouldn't alarm me in any way except for that one. So that's the canary in the coal mine for me. Let me see. Uh, what's his name, um, Jake? Because it's escape. Jeff, Jeff Howard. Howard. Yeah. yeah. So Jeff Howard is retained – um, that will be a little bit of a canary in the coal mine and make me want to um, have some more questions answered in that regard because it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty peculiar to me that um, that they would that he was interviewing for a linebacker coach role. Um, not you know not his his he's got a di- a bit of a different level of experience. If you go look at um, and I know he's trying to he, he was at least. Uh, trying to uh, get a defensive coordinator. This is really the step-by-step process is that you get a pass game or run game coordinator role. And then you usually, if your team is great, you'll get a, you know, an opportunity to run your own defense, but he doesn't have most, I guess he was in 16 and 17. He was the Vikings. He was a defensive assistant and a linebackers assistant coach. So he does have some linebacker experience. Maybe that's uh, an indication of, his his uh, issue with coaching DBs is that has gone south. But I would say this too, Jake. You know, I think that um, him interviewing for that kind of a different position is, it, to me, is an indicator that um, he's not likely to stay on. You know, so um, I don't know. That's that's how I see it. Um, guys usually aren't taking those kinds of interviews um, if they're secure and what where they are and what they're doing and that kind of stuff so um it may just be all courtesy for the cleveland browns and allowing these guys to not just be tossed out on the street to take interviews and you know you're taking on an interview in a different stance as a person with a job than without one i tend to agree um certainly at least 
uh, I mean, this stuff is just, it's not public. It's it, You get a tweet randomly about it, and you just have to react to it because there's no indication, there's no idea that certain guys are going to be doing certain things. Like, that's that part of it is kind of difficult. So um, we're just sort of in reaction mode, and we don't know who's going to be where. I think that most common sense things come into play here. I, I don't think they would force people on to Schwartz. Uh, I, I think if, if Jim was really really hesitant about a guy he would get somebody else i think that's pretty obvious and um you know i'd hope that this this group that doesn't want to put a recipe for disaster in place would be smart enough to figure that out right i got to trust that they would figure that out but okay that's the latest on coaching um we will see how much of the defensive staff stays in place again i've kind of broken down that this Browns defensive staff does not have a ton of nfl experience it's a lot of guys that have transitioned from college recently which is which is interesting to say the least to me. Um, you know, one of the guys who has the longest NFL experience was Jeff Howard. We just talked about, and then Ben Bloom, who's the run game coordinator, but obviously it's tough to back a run game coordinator after what we saw last year. So uh, yeah, just, uh, just a lot of moving parts there and we'll keep you apprised of what we figure out along the way. And um, you know, you don't want to you know, second guess decisions that haven't even been made. So we'll see what, what comes of it uh, over the next few weeks. We're all just very interested in how the Browns reshape everything defensively. We're going to take our first break, come back, and then um, dig into running back review stuff because it's the second position of our January Rewind study. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, looking at the running back group collectively, um, you know, obviously it was a pretty healthy year, John. I mean, they both guys, both Nick and Kareem played in all 17 games, which is sort of amazing considering usage of these two guys. I think you would agree with that. Like, and, and it's kind of unfortunate that I mean, if there was a year that Nick could have had a beat up something that wasn't, you know, an ankle or something, this would have been the year. Um, but, you know, he puts together a fantastic season. We'll go player by player in a second, but, but the individual room assessment to me is interesting. 
um, looking at looking at how they rushed this year because Jacoby Brissett ran for 243 um, and a couple touchdowns. But outside of that, um, the leading rusher was Schwartz with 57. Dearness Johnson for the entire season had four carries, 17 yards. Jerome Ford had eight for 12. So it was the Nick and Kareem show. 302 for 15, 25, and 12 for Nick. 123, 468, and three for Kareem. Uh, 35 catches for Kareem, 210 and a touchdown. Nick had 27th, 239. So outproduced him by a solid three yards per catch. Also had a receiving touchdown on his end. No catches for four. Dearness Johnson had three catches for seven yards. Um, looking back compared to previous seasons, last year, Nick ran for 12. So Nick played 14 games last year, 1259, eight touchdowns, 20 catches, 174 touchdown. Dearness Johnson had 100 carries for 534. He played in, he's listed playing in 17 games, but I think he was really a six game rusher in terms of how, um, well, let's take that back. Kareem only played eight, so it would have been every other game that Kareem didn't play. So that's seven games, right? Where he was, uh, or am I even off on that? Actually, that's 10. They played, boy, I'm struggling. Nine. Nine. There we go. Got there eventually. (laughs) They don't play 18 games. 18 weeks, they only play 17 games. So yeah, he played nine considering, I think Dearness was healthy for all of those, but he had 105, 34, three touchdowns. He actually also caught 19 for 137. Kareem had 386 and five touchdowns rushing on 78 attempts that year, 22-174, and that's kind of it. Uh, Dimitri Felton had a couple carries, but nothing that mattered. The 2020 season, Nick played in 12 games that year, ran 190 for uh, 190 times, 1,067 and 12 touchdowns. He caught 16 for 150. Kareem had 198 for 841. Six touchdowns, caught 38 balls, 304 and five. So I don't feel like it dropped off significantly. Obviously, Nick picked up the slack this year, going for 15, 25, 12 touchdowns. I think, according to Nick's outlook, this is the highest. Yeah, this is his highest rushing grade in a season, John. So he had a 90.7 rushing grade. He had an 80.6 last year, 86.8 in 2020. His second year is actually his first year fully starting. He had a 90.3, so he put together his best collective graded season. Um, So this year he had 47 runs of 10-plus. That's a career high. He forced 83 missed tackles. His previous high was 66. As the yards after contact per attempt did go down by a little bit, almost a half a yard, but I think that end of the year played into that. He had 23 rushes of 15 plus 69 first down rushes. Nice. That's a career high as well. Um, you know, that's Nick. So looking at like, I think the room, when you're looking at the room, I think they were above expectation or maybe even this group was so the expectation for the running backs is so high that, um, it probably you could say met expectation, but they were really good this year. What's what's your assessment of how the running backs were able to play throughout the year? Well, obviously Nick uh, Nick was fantastic for the majority of the year, and um, I think Kareem generally underperformed, but together um, I think uh, they still exceeded what you would expect, um, especially when you consider the position this team was in. Right, they were not in a position to 
you know, um, in, like in 2020, where we were sitting there dealing with a lead in a lot of games, and and Nick would just come in and just ice that game and crush. They didn't have those kind of opportunities this year, so I think that you really have to factor that in and say, yeah, they were really good considering the defensive struggles. Those those things definitely coincide. Um, it's a weird kind of relationship, maybe not intuitive in a sense, but like the worse your defense is. Um, the more impressive it is to get really great performances out of uh, out of your running game uh, and great seasons. So, um, yeah, I would say above expectation, but um, individually, I would say different things. Yeah, I would say so too. I, I think the question about the group before we move to the individuals was: Were you surprised that between Jerome and and uh, Dearness, there were twelve carries for those two guys throughout the course of the year, or did you really expect that they were just going to? keep going to Nick and Kareem and kind of shut out the other two. Was Ford banged up? Was he injury? Like what was his injury? I think he had a little issue at the start of the year uh, after preseason, but he played in 13 games. So it's not like, you know, that it's not like it was that, that prolonged. I think that does that, you know, in just in general, that definitely surprises me. I'm going to, I'm going to wait for the individual portion to talk about the individual guys, but yeah, that's, that's an insanely low, I mean, shoot, I'm sure we don't have the numbers on hand for this kind of thing, but um, it's gotta be um, a close to the tops of the league in terms of take your top two running backs, carries production, um, take the rest of the running backs on the roster um, throughout the course of the year. Um, their carries and production. Um, I, the percentages involved there, I bet the Browns um, were one of the most top heavy in the league in that regard. Looking at, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't put just two guys hard to filter for just two backs, but, but running back rushes in the NFL. Okay. Browns finished third, 438 running back rushes. So this obviously eliminates quarterback run stuff. Uh, 2018 yards. Uh, 4.61 yards per rush, 15 rushing touchdowns. Um, So they finished third in front of, in front of them is Dallas with 2044 between Zeke and Pollard. Not a, not a surprise behind them in fourth green Bay, AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones at 1929, San Francisco right behind again, not a surprise. Number six, the Panthers, who really just came on in the rushing department with Deontay Foreman, like the the, the end of the year. Um, the Titans finish eighth. Detroit finishes seventh. The number one team stunner to me. I don't think I could give you three guesses. I don't think you'd know who the number one uh, running back rush team. They, they, and they made it by over a hundred yards. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. Um, the Browns did play them this year. Chargers. Not the Chargers, although Eckler was obviously the, the the best fantasy output running back. Not the Chargers, good guess. They actually didn't rush it well. He caught he caught it pretty well. The Chargers running back rushes twenty sixth in the NFL, only thirteen hundred and seventy six yards, and amazingly thirteen hundred of those yards came against the Browns. So, <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a fantasy football biased <laughs> answer for me. And you're yeah. Yeah. Browns played. This is actually a stunner. Here, he, you want to know how bad the Browns run defense was the Browns actually played four games against the bottom three teams in rushing output from the running back position this year, Tampa 32nd, uh, 31, uh, Cincinnati and 30 is Houston. And they played four games against those teams. So. And still managed to have a historic, um, you know, EPA per rush type bad 
rushing defense. That's amazing. It is amazing. All right, last guess. You got one? Uh, last guess. Let me um, – I, I don't think you could get it. I, I mean, I, I would have never thought this. Nah, I give up. Go ahead. Atlanta Falcons, 2,209 uh, 2, yards. What? Good yeah. God. Arthur Smith, man. They, I think Tyler Algier came on like crazy at the end of the year. Um, looking at uh, – let's see if we can – Look at the Falcons and see who popped into my head, and I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, the, the Smith draws up some good run game stuff, man. So they for the year, here's their wow, that's actually pretty amazing. So Tyler Algier, the rookie, who you know stock ups fantasy people out there, take advantage of going after him, who's still I feel like under the radar. Uh, had had a thousand thirty five yards. Cordero Patterson had seven hundred. Caleb Huntley had three sixty six. Avery Williams one hundred nine. And that's kind of it. But yeah, those when you add up the the rushing from Patterson, you add in Caleb Huntley and Avery Williams, and you get that's what you get. So um that's two thousand two hundred and nine from that Atlanta team uh, for the running back target stuff there. So anyway, yeah, that's it. Well talking individuals, I think we've already kind of hit on Nick. It was a special year for him, his best year. To me, he was a, an even though his expectations are extremely high, it was it was an above expectation performance from him. Anytime you can set your career high and your Nick, who's already had these ridiculous, you know, season numbers. I do think he wore down though at the end of the year. The offensive line started to play poorly. We can agree with that, but some of his worst graded games were sort of at the at Cincinnati was his worst graded game, and then Baltimore at home. He didn't grade well. He finished the year strong from a grade perspective, New Orleans, Washington, Pittsburgh. But uh, those were his two worst games. His best game was at Baltimore where he had a 90.6 rush grade in that one. And um, I don't even think he, he killed him or anything. He had, he had 16 for 91 and a touchdown, but he, he had five missed tackles forced. He had 11 missed tackles forced in week one. He had eight against the Jets in week two. He had 10 against the Chargers in week five. Um a pretty insane. The only time he got shut out in the missed tackle department was against new England when he ran 12 times for 56 that at Buffalo game, he had a 14 carry 19 yard performance, which is probably one of the worst of his career from an output standpoint. But yeah, I, I would say Nick's a, an above performance. You agree? Absolutely. Kareem a bit interesting um, down across the board. I also, I, I mean, Kareem got a lot of, he got a lot of, the, the disparaging comments and, and I understand it. I also didn't think Kareem had much to do on many of these runs he had. I didn't think there was much wiggle room to make things happen. Um, and, and again, it's largely results based thinking, but I just didn't necessarily think Kareem had much to work with. Not that that changes my outlook for him or anything, but I don't, you know, the best outcome I think Kareem could have had on his opportunities. He ran, like I said, 468, 3.8 yards per attempt. Maybe he gets to 600, 650, maybe, uh, if things break a little more in his direction. But I just didn't think he had a ton to work with. But um, it is his worst rushing grade of his career. The lowest mark he'd had was twenty. his first year in Cleveland when he came back off suspension. He had a 70.3, but this year he had a 67.4. 22 missed tackles forced is kind of on par with where he's been based on a snap number. Um he had 21 last year, but he only had 78 attempts last year. So um, that number's down a little bit. It's 10 plus yard rushes. He had 14 of them this year, 12 last year. In 2020, when he played a full season, he had 33. So 
you know, uh, I think that that probably is down just a little bit compared to where he's been, but not not a crazy number. He had seven, uh, sorry, five 15 yard runs this year. He had five 15 last year, seven the year before his year that he led the league in rushing his rookie year. He had 20 of those and he had um, 36 broken tackles forced uh, in that rookie year. But, um, you know, I, I, I think Kareem is fine. Um, the receiving stuff again is okay. I, I think, I think that I think, I think at this point it was an, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd say below expectations, maybe on the fringe of below and met expectations. You certainly wanted to see him exceed some things, but he didn't do that. I would say like right at that very low threshold of met expectations. What do you think? Are you, are you really, really disappointed by him? I wasn't really disappointed. I, I just think from a visual standpoint, uh, I felt like he lacked some of the juice that he had in previous years. Um, just like the, the sheer force that he was running, uh, running the ball at. So, um, I would say he was a little below my expectations, but, uh, nothing that I'm, you know, screaming about, um, you know, definitely not something I want to pay $6 million for though. That is a fact. And we're going to kind of dig into that here in a second. I don't think there's really much to review with Jerome Ford and Ernest Johnson. There's just, there's just not, I thought form was, uh, Ford turned into a pretty, Solid kick returner, which is ironic because I thought the year before Dearness Johnson was a really solid kick returner. So I don't know what's uh, what to think of that. I, I in terms of maybe running backs are just pretty decent at it in general. But I thought Ford took some nice strides there as a return man. But I think the role expands for him. So digging into twenty three, it obviously feels to me like Kareem is gone. I mean, Nick is obviously here next year for sure. We'll see what. You know, people flirt around and have fun with social media trade stuff. I just, I mean, I guess if you got offered Nick some of the trade packages Jack Duffin put out there for what it would look like, like I'd have a hard time saying no. We're not really digging into that. I don't expect somebody to come after Nick in that regard, but if they did, um, you'd be inclined. I mean, Kareem's 28. I think Nick is going into next year. He'll be 27, I think, right? As we sit here currently, Nick's like just turned 27. So he'll play next year at pretty much 27 uh, the age of 27 he plays a full year at that age which is unique so he turns his birthday's on the 27th of december so um yeah i think nick is here unless i guess somebody swoops in with some massive trade offer but again i don't i don't envision that nick is already up to 1241 what's the what's the number that everybody talks about with running backs 1500 i think it's 1500 yeah, also, so also six years, yeah. six years and 1500 are usually like the real red flags, the real red flags. He's got one more year before that hits. Now we'll see what, uh, what it looks like. We all love Nick. He's a franchise staple and I'm not going to really dig in too deep into that until next year, but he's certainly going to be here. And, and I think they'll probably give him a ton of carries again. What do you think? Yeah. Um, you know, if somebody came and swooped in with an offer, like a McCaffrey type offer, then um, I think that'd be hard for the Browns to turn down as much as they love him. But um, because it's not really just about the next season, it's about what's happening after that. Um, uh, but I don't foresee that happening. So uh, I think Nick is back for sure. Yeah, I think they're pushing all in for two years, and it would take some kind of ridiculous offer to make it work. Not that I don't think you can make other running back types work here. Like, I have some questions about how much, with Deshaun, how much influence you want Nick's 
portion of the offense to influence Deshaun, if that makes sense. I don't know if that way of no, saying I don't I don't want like the the going forward thing with this offense is it's all about making number four the best player he can be and impacting how the offense aligns and the rhythm it takes in order to give a running back the football is not the way I want play calling thinking. Like I, I really I want them to run it at the appropriate times, but the nature by which they run it, I don't want that player impacting how they do that. And I continue to think I want Watson to live out of the gun. Um, I want them to be a gun run team. And, you know, as I watch teams like Cincinnati play the way that I want the Browns to play with some added wrinkles that make Deshaun is obviously a better athlete than Joe Burrow. I want them to do some similar things, but I also want them to add the wrinkles of, uh, of quarterback run game to it. And I know Nick can do it. It's just, I think we could probably all agree that Nick's a very downhill. He wants to get under center. He's a special zone runner, but he can also do some things from gun. So I think he'll be fine. But my hunch here as we sit on January 21st is when we're doing this next year, the stats are going to be down across the board. I just, I think that this, his stats could be down, but the offense could be better. So, um, keep, keep that in mind. Uh, Kareem, I think we can both agree. I, I don't really see a path to, to him being here. He'll play this year at 28. He'll turn 28, August 6th. Um, he's not at the number of carries threshold, largely because of what he had had, you know, the decision he made and what brought him to Cleveland in that year. He only had 91 snaps period. Um, in 2021, he had injury issues. So he only had 78 rushes that year. That stuff has helped him. But I think to your point, he's not as dynamic in the past game as people think he is. He lost some of that special ability to to power through tackles and fall forward and and um, and again, I don't think some scheme things helped here, but I don't think you have a hard time rep. Excuse me, I don't think you have a hard time replicating what Kareem does via Ford or a drafted running back. Um, at least that's that's where I am. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I mean, it, and it's a it's probably a year late on this. I mean, there's a lot of people that I mean. I'd sure rather have like a, a fourth round pick right now instead of cream. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. especially yeah. considering his contract is up, you know? So yes. yeah. that part of it is, that part of it is tough. I mean, do you think Dearness Johnson is back? I, I lean toward, I don't think so. I just don't yes. see a reason. They no. And I, I've never been like a huge, like, I mean, he's serviceable, uh, but like some people have like some wild opinions of this guy. Like I don't understand it. Um, you know, um, he, he's fine, and uh, I'm glad he got $2 million. Uh, you know, I'm happy for him with that, and I think that he belongs on a roster here. But, um, you know, both those salaries need to go away as we yeah. kind of move on to trying to fix the defensive line and things like that. Um, Ford, I'm high on. Um, I yeah, love I, I too. Yeah. That dude's got some juice, man. I'd like to see yeah. him get some more carries. I would too. I think that having – three backs Ford is your second. And then, you know, I'm, I'm still of the belief that they should draft a back who can, who can be, it's hard to draft rookies who are difference makers in the passing game, but it's also not impossible. And I continue to look at late round options who can be gun based RPO based. Like Deuce Vaughn continues to capture my imagination, man, the kid out of Kansas state. Like that is the type of player, uh, some, somebody who's very comfortable 
uh, aligning, not just in the backfield, but moving around and getting out and being in the slot and just gadget things you can do with that type of player to create yards. That is something that I'm very interested in as a, um, as a third back. And I, and I just think that there's like those fifth round, sixth round or seventh round picks to me feel like that is the third back in the backfield, but people, you know, some people don't want them to draft another running back, which I'm fine with, but I do think with the nature of Nick's contract, which has the potential to be up, um, or at least moved on from after the 23 season, if things go South, because we know things can go South and running backs, it's, it's nothing. It's very lit and all at once. It just happens. And you don't even sometimes see it coming. It just happens. And you, but you need to have a plan for that. So that's why I'm interested in the, the lot of the angles I'm taking here, because it's not that you're drafting. Like, I think we can agree that Ford almost had a toss away rookie season. Maybe they drafted a running back too soon. Mm-hmm. here but i i certainly look at it this year i'm like man i can draft somebody that can help in this aspect of the game but also be ready to play a bigger role if they do have to move on from nick at some point um which god that's kind of crazy to say i feel like nick was just drafted yesterday uh, <laughs> to start talking about moving on from him but um you got to start preparing you know what i mean yeah absolutely and, and the numbers too on these types of 300 carry seasons are not good um, so people should just be aware. Like, yeah, they're outliers. They exist. And maybe Nick's that guy. I mean, he does have a lot of the temperament and, you know, the way that he takes care of his body and those types of things. But he was also banged up years before that, you know, where he missed several games a year and that kind of thing. But 300 carry seasons, generally speaking, are harbingers of not good things the next year. Combine that with him turning 27, um, which is not the cliff, but um, it's approaching it. Um we should not be surprised to see a downturn if it happens. I, I wouldn't expect it, you know, but um, it's a it's a non insignificant percentage of the time that that that's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think they should be drafting, uh, you know, a guy every year, two out of every three years, something like that, you know, um, in that, you know, round three through seven range that's you know two out of three is probably um what i like best you know you should be grabbing a guy that often and uh so i i people shouldn't be surprised if they do that this year and people shouldn't be surprised if we see a downturn from nick following that kind of usage it's going to be hard for people to not be emotionally invested in the decision to um with nick and when they move on from him and all of that so that that part of it is going to always be in play so the browns running back targets where do you think they finished in running back receiving yards this year uh, they got to the league they got to be in the um late 20s 27th in the nfl in yeah. uh running back receiving yards so which is a big part of where cheap yards come from i mean look at the teams at the top in running back receiving yards you ready Chargers, Chiefs, Bucks, 49ers, Bengals. <laughs> I'd like I'd like to get those guys a little bit more involved. So that's all. Agreed. That's all. We'll leave it at that. Um okay. Not that again, not that I want your running backs taking a ton of targets, but man, they, they create so many advantages. Like the Chiefs threw twelve touchdowns to running backs this year. And they got Chargers to seven. And they can move for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Um, they got, they got it. They got to do, they got to do better. They at least need to be pushing 
Like if the Browns had 464, Chiefs and Chargers had 900, you at least need to be pushing a couple hundred to 300 more. You got to get those guys more involved. And that's largely what I'm looking to try to do with how I look at a potential drafted selection. We're going to take our last break. We're going to come back and we're going to do John and Jake's lightning fast playoff predictions. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, here we go. Ready? Two games today. 4.30 kickoff. Jags, Chiefs. I think it would be a monumental upset if this happened. I don't think we expect it, but do you expect the Jags to cover uh, cover eight and a half, I think, is the line right now? I kind of think that they're going to. Um, I kind of think that they're going to cover that spread. Uh, I'm considering uh, putting some down. I mean, you know, not a lot of difference between eight and a half and seven and a half, uh, but um, – I tend to think that these games just kind of run close most of the time. And uh, I tend to lean toward the points on that. All right. So these first two games are clearly, um, you know, the, the two favorites. Actually, FanDuel has that game up to nine and a half. Well, I do like nine and a half on that one. Um, I like that a little better. Dallas, sorry, New York and Philly is the other game today. Um, so that one is an eight eight fifteen kick. It's uh, the Giants are getting seven and a half. Also, really like the points on that one. Um, Same. Uh, yeah. So I think I think we both think Kansas City and Philly win, but we would take the points to cover. Agree. Agreed. Okay. So the next game slate Sunday are the games that are close, man. Two fantastic games. Cincy at Buffalo. Cincy's getting five and a half at Buffalo. What are your thoughts there? I saw somebody even had six and a half. Um, insane to today. me. Yes, and I'm taking those points. I'm taking Cincy um, to win that game. I, I I really do think they they win it. They, they it. are not scared of uh, of the way Buffalo plays. Um, yeah, um, I, I don't blame me for that. You taking Buffalo? I think. Um, I think I would take Buffalo by like one, (laughs) like a last position Buffalo win is, is how I see that. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not giving points for them. No. All right. So that's our first disagreement. Dallas and San Francisco, real 1990s nostalgia really like when they, they played just last year too, in that wild finish. Um, this one is fun. These are two good teams. I, I really actually think San Francisco beats the shit out of them, though. I think San Francisco is going to win by 10 points. I, I really do. So I'm taking San Francisco minus three and a half. I, I, I think Shanahan is as dialed in as a play caller as we've ever seen him, and I think he's going to torch them. I, I really do. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I thought about it for a second. Um I agree. I, I think there's just, um, you know, the Dallas defense is very good, but um, San Francisco can just stretch you so many different ways. Um, and then they have the defense on top of that. Uh, it's hard to see. Um, it's hard to see San Francisco losing to Dallas. It's a real test for Mr. Brock Purdy. And uh, 
if he dominate or if he I mean, dominated last week, if he puts up another good performance and they win, you start to enter Trey Lance zone of like, what are they gonna? What's going on out there? What are they gonna do? Because, um, you know, Purdy just seems to know exactly where Shanahan wants the football and he gets it there. So, you know, I think you can say this: this is a this is a quarterback agnostic offense, right, or something like that is the phrase, right? Like you could put mm-hmm. any quarterback in, and, but I think he. He's got a really good feel for it, man. A really good feel for it. So he's got that. He's got some mobility to how he plays too. He, that is unique. Even when he's not like mobile, mobile, like the, his feet, they 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 just kind of remind me of Peyton Manning, but with more athleticism. Yeah, feet only. Feet only. Yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Um, okay. Well, listen. That's that's what we got. That's your slate. So we're looking at a San Francisco. Um, Philadelphia NFC championship, which will be a lot of fun in my opinion. It'll be in Philly. And then you'd be looking at uh, p- potential neutral site game. No, actually it'd be in, if the Bengals win, which I'm predicting that would be in Kansas city. Bengals really caught the, the short end of the stick on this whole thing. Um, and then if Buffalo wins, it'll be a, uh, in Atlanta, right? I think they just settled on Atlanta for that game. So interesting 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 should be a fun weekend of football good conversation here john man i appreciate uh any of your time brother and i think we covered everything about as extensively as we can for a weekend episode so i appreciate you yeah no appreciate uh tuning in for a minute you uh, catch up on that sleep when you can but you too bro we'll uh we'll, we'll we'll bounce those uh positive sleep vibes off each other listen for john for me thanks uh for being here everyone listening on the weekend uh your busy time so uh thanks again thanks for being understanding of uh hectic schedule and uh trying to parent your kids and all that stuff because it's not easy uh when your evenings get swamped so again appreciate that check out the obr's um obr film breakdown uh caps you can buy and t-shirts you can buy that's all available on my twitter feed the direct link to that some great stuff out there some nike gear that you can you can get in on on buy i'd appreciate that because all of that supports this podcast and uh that helps every little bit helps so appreciate you guys appreciate john thanks again have a great Have a great weekend. We might be back tomorrow with an episode. We'll see. But if we don't, have a great weekend. Appreciate it. Go Browns. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.